people, it's going off track, and in this room, before me, and in your ears, Michael Kenjemi. Yes. Jonah Bear. Brad Worrell, a.k.a. Brad Goop. See? I'm Steven. My last name is Smith. If you ask me how to spell it, you are someone on the phone who feels very silly after I don't. kind of love that whenever you call someone like, hey, can you spell your last name for me before I fill it in? Smith. All right. <laughs> Today's guest is a lovely gentleman named Jack Rico, who I met on VH1's Morning Buzz. Uh, he was hosting there, and he has a website called showbizcafe.com. It is a Latin-based film website that covers all kinds of content, and he tells an amazing story about starting his career as an on-screen personality as a weather reporter, which was, I have to be honest, he's a super cool dude. I really wanted to talk to him about all kinds of stuff, but I really wanted to talk about being a weather reporter. Yeah, I've never talked to a weather reporter before. And he's very distinct about how there's a difference between a meteorologist and a weather reporter. Dude, I'm so glad I wasn't here for this because I have it like a comic book fucking adversary. Like they're like my enemies, weather weathermen, since like second grade. Because their job is to be wrong. Because the their time. job, it was like, don't fucking do your homework. Don't, here's the thing it's going to snow 100%, so don't worry about that shit you have tomorrow. And then I was like, this is great. And then you open your window and it's like grass and you see the street and you're like, the fuck? I'm That's fucked. because they were a giant cabal working with teachers to get you to screw up. Dude, they did. And then they did it for years. And then in high school, we actually got so pissed we didn't get snow days for so long that we flooded our high school parking lot. Like there were, we figured out a way to, you know, to get the hoses out. And we flooded our high school parking lot so it would ice over. And then we would at least have a delayed opening. It didn't work. We did it. Well, but we, someone broke their neck. But someone definitely. <laughs> they were calling us like the wet bandits at school, and they were trying to figure out who did it. That, that was before Home Alone, by the way. Wet the bandits, lamest yeah. gang name ever. But by the way, <laughs> it was it was it was pretty uh, stupid. But like, it was well, who, pretty. Who's awesome. asking we kick? I mean, we're we're the limp noodles. I hear the wet bandits mm. are kind of <laughs> the, the wet bandits were Joe Pesci and that other uh, dude in Home Alone. Uh, who were, were they would leave the faucet running when they came to rob yeah, houses? Yeah. Oh, that is that name. But that was we had that before them though. Even though it still sucks, it is kind of like the worst like moniker I guess to be given like the fucking wet bandits, it's the lamest mafia you can be a part of. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, fucking weathermen. I don't go it, ahead. And it, it is that common joke where you're wrong ninety percent of the time. It's the only job you cannot job. be fired from yes. and just be fucking wrong every day. Nobody can yell at you. Well, Said it was going to rain. Didn't. Oh, Fuck you. Mike, relax now. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, 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 it's okay. I'm really glad it's I wasn't okay. here for it's these. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so pissed. All right, this this to- is why people hate talking to me. They're like, I wish you would get madder about stuff. You should have seen me earlier. I was, I was whatever. So um, Jack Rico. Our guest today is Jack Rico. That's how they say it. I know. Nice. I love that, man. <laughs> so um, uh, your website is a showbizcafe.com. Right? See, that, I have to specify that because it is whoever, a website. whoever has .org <laughs> is going to screw it up. Yeah, all those non-for-profit dot, dot edu. And we met just a few weeks ago for the first time. It was so much fun meeting you, man. It's, you know, you really know your, uh, your geek them per- stuff i'm i'm a peripheral trust me dude I, I i know enough but the people that i work with at mtv geek they're super pro and know everything they know everything right? where i sit in the corner i'm like okay crap 
<laughs> they knew the artist. Damn it! <laughs> like I, I've got, I've got a little bit of game, but like, I don't know, man. I think you're selling yourself short. Um, you know the inkers. You no, know, I like, don't. These people know that I know some, but not all. <clears throat> you know, I know some of the major names. But so we, so uh, VH1 Morning Buzz, just a fun show, and Steve Batista is the stage stage manager on it, who did our show back at Fuse. You know him if you saw him. Okay, I'm making, <laughs> but I, I like we we connected on the exchange of fan trailers. Yeah, remember man. that. Yeah, you, you, Jack showed me the Thundercats trailer. Which, by the way, they need to do like a like like somebody needs to pick that movie up ASAP. Somebody transposed like all the face of the Thundercats over like Brad Pitt's face from Vin Diesel from Troy, and then Vin Diesel, and they let it together. Like someone put a lot of time and effort, and obviously has the time to do it <laughs> and the knowledge and the <clears throat> skill. But it was cool. But then we started talking and. You were like, well, this is my website, and I, I come in here and do Morning Buzz and, and talk pop culture and movies and television. But then you threw out, and this was the fact that I wanted to dive in first, that you start out as a meteorologist, as a weatherman. Yeah, dude. That, that's, that's almost scary for me to even think back to that. Uh, back in 1999, <clears throat> I started off as a traffic reporter. So anybody who's interested in knowing about the life of a weather anchor in local news, in you know wherever you live... Here's how you can become a weather anchor, too. Just follow my lead. Um, <clears throat> 1999, I was doing traffic reports at a radio station. It was uh, here in New York. Q Rock 104, uh, some country station in Connecticut. I was doing Fordham University's traffic reports. All these places. And all of a sudden, uh, uh, a Puerto Rican girl calls out sick. She was doing the Spanish language radio stations. And so they said to me, hey, Jack, you know, we think you're Hispanic. We just want to make sure. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm Latino. I'm Latino. So do you know any Spanish? And I said, look, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm more American than anything. I don't, I don't really speak Spanish that much. But when I'm at home with my mom, I do. And he's like, well, you will save this company an account if you can come in and be a pinch hitter because she's sick and do the traffic reports in Spanish. I will owe you big time. So... When your boss owes you, man, that's that's like a good thing to kind of just have in your pocket. I said, all right, cool. So I did it, and all of a sudden, it just really opened a lot of doors in that market for me. And then a year later, Univision, uh, which is the number one Spanish language network in the United States, uh, created its first ever Spanish language morning newscast. So they were looking for a traffic reporter. And they had heard me on the radio, so uh, I went to audition, and they, they hired me. I was a little shocked. I was like, this is great. First TV gig. And all of a sudden, they they fired every anchor. Every anchor that was there, including the weather guy. And they said, Jack, we're looking for a weather anchor. Would you like to do the weather? And the first thing that came out of my head is like, are you stupid? Why would you hire the traffic guy to be the weather anchor? Because it what? rains on your car. <laughs> <laughs> so I said to myself, is this the way television executives hire people? Yes, it is, Jack. <laughs> it is, because it happened to me. So I said to myself, am I the most appropriate person for this? Don't you need like a real meteorologist? Because I was the one complaining about these weather anchors on TV. They don't know what they're saying. You know, it's they say it's rain and it's sunny. You do what get do to make know? a career out of being wrong, which is awesome. And you get, yeah, and you know, uh, it's accepted. 
Yeah. I guess. And, you know, and so what ended up happening is I said, screw it. They made me full time. I became one of the the faces of the morning show for eight years, two Dude. hours a day. I was doing the weather. I mean, I covered Katrina. Wow. That was like huge for me. So I tried to fall in love with the profession, but I got to be honest with you. When you don't feel it, you don't feel it. It was a great way of getting into the door. Uh, whether this is pre 9-11, whether was about having some sort of personality, being perky, and I guess for the morning show, it was perfect. I don't think for the 6 or 11. Um, so most of the information I gave was um, AccuWeather. They sent out a fax, and you would literally read what it was there, and you would kind of just add a couple of things to it. Did you or, have to learn how to use the whole green screen thing? Yeah, in the box? that was actually fun, though. That's amazing to me. Yeah, they have two TVs on... On on uh, on your sides, so on the left and on the right, and you're looking at the TV set while your body looks at the wall, but your eyes are pointed to the TV, and it makes it look like the green wall has a map on it when it doesn't. And you have to know, like, when I move my left hand and show this weather front coming in from the north, yes, but I have to do this appropriately. I think that's cool. That do is you, cool. Do you need to know anything about weather to be a weatherman? No, because I think what I've been telling, and I learned this after I left, uh, unfortunately, is I was never a meteorologist, obviously, because I was I never go to school for meteorology. But what I what I was was a weather reporter, so I would <clears throat> report on the weather, um, and that's how I started telling people later in my life what what I did. Um, and it's fun for the first couple of years, man. But when you get pigeonholed just doing that, I got to be honest with you, it is so boring. Everybody comes up to you and says, hey, man, how's the weather up there? And you and they think it's funny. And you're like, are you kidding me? You go, Stop. Fuck you. I, you're, you're so lucky we aren't weren't friends because I would have been like, oh, you look a little overcast today. Is everything OK? Like, it would be so bad. Well, then I saw the movie Weatherman with Nicolas Cage. Did you see that? Yeah. Where they started throwing him tomato and he was just had a miserable life. Yeah. That is how you end up becoming when you're a weather anchor. Like, I imagine Al Roker must have that dark side in him. <laughs> you know, Al Roker's not a real weather anchor. I, I, at least it doesn't look like it, mm -hmm. right? He's always cracking jokes. I mean, there's been times where they literally go to Al for the weather, and he goes, hey, everybody, he cracks a couple of jokes, and then he goes, here's what's happening in your neck of the woods. And I said, did you give us a weather report? Which I think is trademarked, because when they have fill-in weather people, they don't get to say that. They don't get to say that, and I think it is trademarked, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, and he's getting paid $15 million to do that, so that's why Man. I was like, interesting. Lord, now, where, where, where are you from again? My parents are from Columbia. Okay. I was born in Queens, New York. Right. Um, played basketball in Elmhurst, Elmhurst uh, born in St. John's Hospital. I don't know how the hell I'm not a, a Mets fan. I think it was because of Reggie Jackson and Dave Winfield. You know, and Jesse Barfield, remember back the the Yankee days? You know, here's the, the thing you're going to find out. You've just made sports references. We got, we got nothing. <laughs> yeah. I nodded by saying I've heard those names before. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big sports fan. Which uh, is great. We, we have um, we had a, a couple of people in here who are sports sports folk. Pork fans, too, uh, right? Pork as well, which is, <laughs> which is delicious. I just had a wonderful BLT <laughs> that they got right today. The last time I ordered one, they forgot literally the L and the T. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a joke. I was like slices of bacon on a bagel. I ate it, but you know, um, I, I always think I just don't have that um, enough room in my head, which is what fascinates me about what you do with your website. Because if you go on it, it covers everything. 
everything, yeah, with movies. And what we're doing now, uh, we're doing a 3.0 version of showbizcafe.com, which is we're expanding it to uh, pop culture. I got to be honest with you. Over at VH1 where we met, you know, mm. we were talking about everything. Mm-hmm. And so it got to a point that my, the, my personal individual uh, career started reflecting more of the pop culture than the actual website that I was doing. So I decided to kind of just unite those two, two together. And what we're going to do a little bit different is we're also going to try and, you know, the hot Latina ladies, man. You know, they're, they're doing a lot of like Shakira on The Voices. She's on The Voice now. Christina Aguilera, Cameron Diaz, Zoe Saldana's you in Star Trek. Christina Aguilera is a hot Latina lady. Well, she, you know, you she's half Ecuadorian. You she's half Ecuadorian. <laughs> she's half Ecuadorian. She has a Spanish album that she did, you know. Yeah. But can she really speak? You know, David Lee she Roth can, has a Spanish can. record. Okay. Is that true? Yeah, dude. So does Nat King Cole. Remember that? I don't remember yeah, that. Michael was... Jackson uh, sang a song. Uh, oh, yeah? Just Can't Stop Loving You. And that song is in Spanish, well, Here's too. the thing. We were talking about, uh, like... Everything just sounds better in Spanish. <laughs> like we were, well, we were, we were talking about um, Buena Vista Social Club, and you, oh. you hear what they're singing, and then you see the translation, and it's filthy, you know. But it just sounds gorgeous <laughs> yeah. in Spanish, and and you know, if I sing the line, and then she bent over and I saw her cleavage <laughs> in in English, it sounds horrific, and right, very right, peak right. and Tommy. But in Spanish, it sounds mellifluous. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, poetic. It's, it's great, and you all can dance too. Yeah, <laughs> it's we we're known for that. So what? So from so I'm being the weather reporter to the website. How did that transition happen? So after eight years, I got burnt out, man. Whenever you do a morning shift, I'm sure you guys woken up in the morning to work. Um, I have a friend who does the morning shift in Canada. And oh, yeah? he's like up at three. Dude. It's, he's, he's like, I love the show. I hate the hours. I hate the hours. And so what it happened, I had hair. Like I'm bald now, but I had hair at one point. <laughs> And I got fat. Uh, I was. Don't you have to as a weather reporter? Sorry. No, no, <laughs> not at all. To, there, you have the Sam Champions of the world, man. Like <laughs> yeah. you know, Ken dolls. Um, but what happened was, I think my health started being affected by the hours because I kept on saying to myself, uh, "I got to go see this U two concert." And the concert would end at eleven. It's like I don't. Are you telling me that I'm not going to go to a U two concert because I have to go to sleep early to be awake to do the weather? That's not happening. So wouldn't you just wouldn't you just make yourself stay up? Yeah. So basically, what ended up happening a lot of the times, I used to sleep three hours a day, and then I would take naps during the afternoon. And then after eight years, dude, you're you're in a constant haze as a weather anchor. Trust me, man. I'm telling you the inside scoop <laughs> on being a weather anchor <laughs> in local New York TV. Bill <clears throat> Evans, uh, this other guy Goldberg. Chris Amino, I bet you all those guys have their war stories on sleeping hours and how miserable they are behind the scenes. You know, they all—they must all have those stories, man. It just seems brutal. Like, like you know, the <clears throat> like you know, Pat Kiernan said once that um, uh, it's like you're so great at what you do, and he said I I should be for having to get up at three every morning and go to bed at eight at night. You know. Yeah, and I give him a lot of. I mean, that's a discipline, dude. I think it's easier on the West Coast because on the West Coast, you know, you can get Direct TV and you can watch the East Coast feeds. So you can still feel like you're having a life. Yes. So you can watch, you can watch Modern Family at <laughs> at seven at instead seven. of nine and go to bed at eight. You know, right? The the thing with Pat is, by the way, New York ones. Pat, that guy's like he's become iconic. He's he was in Iron Man three. Oh yeah, he was in Iron Man three. I mean, I was like. Pat's big time now. Dude, haven't seen it yet. 
So oh, so I, I should not tell you how, how it is, okay, or how Star Trek Into Darkness is. No, I and I don't want to know who the bad guy is. And I'm usually, <laughs> I usually don't care about spoilers because I'm like, whatever. I'll, it's like I don't care about spoilers because if I see a movie a second time, mm-hmm. that means I know what happened. Right. You know, so you want to be surprised, whatever. Um, but so, wait, so we're going back to the website. So you, so you, um, so you got burnout. Hours were killing you. Health was declining. Health was declining, and um, to be quite honest with you, what ended up happening is I just wasn't getting along um, with the staff. Uh, I was cranky. I was moody. um, And I really wasn't giving it my all uh, on the show anymore. It was two hours. They were thinking about going for a third hour. I had to do these cut-ins after 7 in the morning. So from 3, 4 in the morning... By the time seven or seven o'clock, eight o'clock, you know, kicked in, my stomach was grumbling. I was half asleep. They were asking me to do. I just didn't want to do anything, and I didn't want to smile anymore, man. I just did not <laughs> want to even chuckle. Like I was miserable, and it was starting to reflect on TV, man. Mm-hmm. And once it starts permeating into people's homes, that's when you know you have to go. So what ended up precipitating me leaving was <clears throat> I couldn't get in on time. So they, they wanted me there at 4, 4.30, the producers, and I would get there at 4.40, 4.45. show started at 5 in the morning. And I couldn't get up. It was just so hard to get up. And when it was winter and there was like a snowstorm, come on, dude. There's no way you want to get up. Man. Sounds like your subconscious was had already made the decision, and the rest of you is just acting on impulse. What? Right. Well, when you tell somebody, when you tell the subconscious, okay, money, mm-hmm. six-figure salary, fame, girls, free food at the restaurants, hanging out with celebrities, um, and for the most part, it's an easy gig. You, know, you go in, you do your weather reports. They're about two minutes long. You do a lot of entertainment you know, news. So you had a great platform, but... When you're miserable, none of that matters. It doesn't matter. I don't care what anybody thinks on the other side. They don't know because they haven't had it yet. But once you have it and you have it for eight years, all that means nothing to you. All you want is out. All you want is out. You want a new, you want to reinvent yourself. You want a a clean slate. And so they called me in. The general manager called me in and said, hey, we need to talk to you. I was like, hmm, I wonder what this is all about. I had just gotten back from vacation, so I was a little bit more re-energized. So I get in, and the first day back, that guy wails at me, the general manager of this news station. And Dude, it was a little humiliating. So he says, you got to tell your producer I'm sorry. I was like, wow, it's got into this. This is like, hmm. So they had a guy from the union, from AFTRA, the AFTRA union, my guy here. And he was just observing. He didn't defend me or anything. And I was like, dude, what is going on here? I said, okay, producer, you could have just told me, hey, come in a little earlier. You didn't have to take it to this level. So that happened. I felt really bad about it. I was like, I don't know if I should even be here anymore. And then the next day, the news director comes in and then she lets me have it for for the same thing that I had that had already been taken care of the, the day before. So I just felt like they were ganging up on me at this time. And at that meeting, I said, you know what? You're obviously having a lot of fun with this, and I can see the writing all over the wall. I quit. And I just said it like that. And she just looked at me a little bit in shock, wasn't expecting it, was going to say no. And then she caught herself and she says, you know what? That's probably the best thing for both of us. 
And I said, all right, fine. And I literally walked out. I was going to literally leave that day. So I don't know what they were going to do as a weather anchor for the next morning, but uh, that's how it went down. And she then asked me if I could hang on for two weeks. Now, those two weeks were some of my most miserable moments at that station because I had to fake it all for another two weeks with smiles and the whole nine just so I – you don't burn any bridges, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you kind of saved you from burning any bridges because <laughs> trust me, man. I've been in that situation where you're cranky. You don't like what's going on. And shut up, Jonah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what happened with you guys? Oh, no. We were fine. Steven we were- did an episode where he slept the entire episode. Of yeah, the rock show. But that was funny. That was funny, but I mean, like... I think it got the show canceled. Yes. <laughs> Damn. Well, why? What happened? Why were you so narcoleptic that day? Oh, no. I've been wanting to do this for years. I thought it was hilarious to do a show that where I'm just lying on a couch. And, Sleeping. And, and every time they cut to me... Because it, it was a video rap show. <clears throat> so we had... If there was no guest, we had six, nine minutes of dialogue you know if that what show was this it was called steven's untitled rock show on fuse we did it for four <laughs> years and uh, we had a lot of fun doing it but we had this episode where uh chrissy hind was going to come on and wow. look at jonah nice. <laughs> was for the pretenders right so chrissy hind has um i know people who've interviewed her i know people who know her but she's got demands <clears throat> and chrissy is a big animal rights activist and i've heard tale that you can't wear leather that day. You can't have the crew wear leather, you know. And a lot of demands for someone who hasn't had a hit song in like thirty years. Yeah. Right. But right, right. And so Go all ahead. and so all the demands and everything for the interview fell on Jonah. <laughs> oh no, Jonah. So he had to incorporate all this stuff. And you know, he's a professional music journalist. He knows how to talk to people, he knows how to write questions. They just had all these rules and stipulations. And then at the eleventh hour, they're like, Oh, we need you to listen to the record. What? So completely caught off guard. Yeah. Stood up. Jonah flings the record across the entire floor. Wow. <laughs> and and you don't get mad. That's the funny no, thing. No, I don't get mad. I never get mad. But yeah, for some reason, it just kept being like more and more. And I was like, why are we even having her on? Like, who cares? And then she canceled at the last minute. The last second. What? So that, th- that morning. Oh, wow. So we had no script because the script was all catered towards her. So I looked at the producer. And at that point in time, I, I was, improved. Well, I was, the, I was the EP. So I could say, this is what we're doing. Don't, don't write anything. We're doing the sleep episode. Wow. And, and I remember Mike, who's also one of the hosts on the podcast, uh, but he's working for Nickelodeon right now. He went, okay, but I think this is going to get us fired. <laughs> <laughs> so it aired. It aired. It but, aired. But they they'd killed... I, I thought it was innocuous because they killed our rerun anyway. So it aired once. But uh, what was the anger? That you had the balls to do this? Oh yeah. Well, at the time, the, it was so audacious. And well, you know how you know how networks are. It's a constant revolving door of of general managers and people. There. That's true. And so, so everybody's I'm, always bitching about the sales and the revenue. It's not coming in. So yeah. maybe it's the general manager. He's so not doing a good they job. They fire these TV people, and and they, and they all go to another gig as a general manager. It amazes me. <laughs> so they brought in some guys. It's true. <laughs> it is true. It's, it's true. It's ridiculous. Yeah, they recycle they, their own talent. They wonder why it's the same problems in every network. It's the same people. <laughs> like, isn't Jeff Zucker at CNN? Yes! Didn't Dude, he? Weren't, weren't you running? Didn't you cave like NBC, <laughs> you man? You destroyed NBC. <laughs> and now I'm going to go to a, a news network? That, by the way, just got destroyed. Right again. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I wonder why that happened. Giant bucket of joke. <laughs> so there, there was a guy, we've talked about this before, there was a guy who, who just came in and decided he didn't like me. 
or the show. And he, and he, the real reason we got uh, canceled was he moved our time slot. We were in an after school show. Our show was like a alternative punk rock show. Kids dug it. Very warped tour friendly. We were on at four o'clock. He moved us to two hmm. during school hours. Oh, so God. we literally had like segments that were like sneak out of class and call us, yeah. or like you know, like like encouraging kids to cut class. <laughs> and did, did kids yeah. cut class? Oh God, you guys were bad for America. Yeah. No wonder we were bad for America. But it was pretty, but it was pretty funny. It was funny. <laughs> That's too funny. Well, I mean, to finish my story. Yeah. Uh, so then, finally, when I uh, I quit. I had already been working on something for about a year with showbizcafe.com. And um, the reason is, look, anytime you're going to start up a business, entrepreneurs, you probably know this. Uh, every time you're going to start up a business, you need to have an, a built-in audience for whatever it is that you're doing because they're the ones that are going to pay the bills, right? So I said, where can I find an audience within this Hispanic American market? And uh, movies, I found out through the MPAA, they had done some statistics and the number one movie-going demographic in 2006, and it's 2013, and they still are, are Hispanics. Really? They go in packs opening weekend, right? And so when I found that out, I said, there's no way that this is true. Because if this is true, why hasn't anyone made a report on this? So I Googled it, nothing on it. So I said, you know what? This is the thing. I'm going to become like the first Hispanic movie website in the United States. And so it began like that in Spanish. And all of a sudden, you know, my friends were like, dude, I can't read that. <laughs> Can you do it in English? And I was like, all right. So I did like an English site. But dude, then I got really sick and tired of having to translate everything all the time. So I was like, let me just leave it in English. And so now finally, after VH1 and the Today Show, I started doing a lot of more pop culture stuff. So I wasn't talking about movies anymore. And I was being invited to concerts and talking about TV. And I said, let my site just kind of reflect that. And so uh, Showbiz Cafe now is a pop culture site uh, that anyone can read. You know about my point of view on on sort of. And the is media it all business. you doing the whole site? Like you do all the writing, or do you have bloggers? I, I do all. I do most of it. I, w- I would say I write ninety percent of everything. I write most of it. And you know what? Every every blog or like website blog uh, within that geek genre. It's usually a one-man operation. Mm-hmm. They might tell you differently. Like, I have freelancers that, that I hire to do some jobs, but I usually edit and everything else. And it's like a labor of love, man. No one gets into that to kind of just do it because of the money. You do it for the lifestyle, um, for the cachet of being around, that that life. I mean, I go to Broadway uh, shows for free, but I have to cover them. I write them. So to a certain extent, you're enjoying the show, yeah, but, but then you got to go home after that and you got to literally write out the review for that. So it gets hectic, but I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for the world, and it's allowed me to have access to, you know, the Today Show and NBC and Telemundo. And I think else. that's ins- that Today Show thing is insane to me. The um, we just had another guest, uh, Julianne Smolinski. Yeah, she was I've, just on the podcast yeah. mm-hmm. recently. Sweet. She's on the Today Show a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've met her yeah. once or twice. Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah, she is awesome. So that's cool that you reinvented yourself and are now from weather anchor to pop culturist. Yeah, but like. You know, you're you're now brought on to talk about these things, and I've been. I got to be honest with you. I've been in that situation where they're like, "Hey, can you come on and talk about blah blah blah?" And I'm like, "God, just shoot me in the face!" Because <laughs> um, then I had that that awful first thing was, "Will you pay for me to get there?" 
Right. You know? Right, right. Um, and we've had that situation too. You the know? Today Show yeah. uh, sends a car for you. Yeah. Nice. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yo, pimping big time. <laughs> You're like, by the way, I live here in the city. Why don't you give me the money for the car? Yeah. <laughs> And I'll take the subway. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll go to lunch. Yeah. Is that it's cool? Like, it's like it's like seventy five dollars for those uh car drive oh, uh, car services. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's bonkers. Well we did that after SNL that one time. They have cars for the for the party. Yeah, I'm surprised I'm here and you didn't send a car for me, Steve. John. I know. Right? What's going on with you no, guys? Well you man. called me Steve, that's why. <laughs> And have, there's an N on the end of that. No Steven. <laughs> I have a question. This might be a weird question, but I feel like I struggle with pop culture because it bums me out so much. Like Why? I feel, I just feel like I've kind of checked because I feel like whenever I turn it on, it's like some weird show on Bravo or like all this reality stuff or like, I don't know. It's like hard. <clears throat> I just feel like it like depresses me, but then I feel like I'm missing out. Like people are talking about stuff and I don't know. I can't really engage and I feel right. like I'm the outside. It's like, it's been like kind of You're a weird fringes, struggle right. for me. And I was just wondering like, what keeps you kind of excited and kind of like in it? Not that I'm saying it's bad or anything. I just, I miss that connection, I guess. Well, you know, for example, uh, with, with television, you know, I was telling you that Games of Thrones, everyone's talking about it, and I should know more about it, and I really forced myself to see that show, but I didn't catch it from the first season, and it's been really hard for me to kind of just get into it in the second season, and then when I when we started talking about it at VH1, there was this whole deep universe and names, and I got lost in it, so I couldn't really understand it, but then you have like the Mad Men's. Uh, the Breaking Bads that really reel you in. And once you're reeled in, it allows you to then appreciate sort of the new directors, the new producers, the new writers that are out there and the new stories that they're telling. Um, that but you're talking really- about, you're talking about, and forgive me for this adjective, cool programming. Yes. Like Justified, right. Archer, Breaking Bad, <clears throat> Mad Men, I just watched, Walking Dead, you know. Um, what's the House of Cards? Oh man, on Netflix! Dude, man, that show was awesome. so badass. What? Is it oh, good? Like, yeah, no, badass. No, no, no. It was. A, it, I mean, Kevin Spacey <clears throat> like killed it, man. He so it. incredible. Now, do you think? Now, this is uh, uh, second to this point because this is your world. Do you think that Netflix is going to change the way television programming is? Because there was a story that just came out today that, um, and I can't remember where that. Online is doing great, mm-hmm. but ad revenue is still television-based. They can't find a way to monetize the web the way they do television still. That is true. So everyone's talking about how uh, with Arrested Development and House of Cards and that John Goodman one that's coming out with, on Netflix. There's a John Goodman one coming out? Yeah, on Netflix. No way. And it, they're doing the same way, releasing all the episodes. Watch it as you will. They don't have to be a half hour. They don't have to be an hour. Do whatever. Right. Um, do you see with what you do a shift towards the paradigm of television as we know it changing? Look, television is still the king of all media. I mean, <clears throat> you know, when you're watching the Super Bowl, uh, I don't want to watch the Super Bowl on demand. I, I want to see it live, talk to my friends about it. It's a communal process. It's in a communal experience. But I think that let's just look at this 50 years from now. I think television is going to be left as a place where you go for breaking news, um, award shows and sports events and that's it when it comes to like watching a regular show like house of cards for example you're going to want to watch that at your own time because i think appointment television is kind of dead and it happened to the news industry which is the reason they suffered so much because nobody was going in 
to watch TV at six o'clock anymore. They're like, hey, I'm working a little longer now. So <clears throat> they try to give you the news on your mobile phone, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it will be so much easier. I, I think ultimately we're going to see sort of this platform where everything is on demand, like YouTube. You just – on your keyboard, uh, latest episode of, um, of Arrested Development, and it will just pop up or the whole season will pop up. I mean we're already seeing this in on, on demand in Time Warner and everything else. But I think that the whole t- television programming uh, sort of system is going to be like that. Regular shows, Saturday Night Live, all that stuff is just going to be on demand, uh, unless it's live. And then just the sporting events, award shows, and breaking news is going to be on TV, where you used to you know, do it there. Do you think the, the cable channels really kind of forced that change with... I remember, I think Mad Men was the first one of these shows I noticed that the episode would air, and then it would end, and then they would play it again. Like right. immediately, they wouldn't stagger it like for their rotation of East Coast, West Coast. They would do it immediately. That started happening on cable, right? Yeah. You never saw this on broadcast network. No. Um, and, you know, they might have done that with The Sopranos because I remember I felt like I had seen that. But you're right. Maybe it was Mad Men. Um, and I think that the, 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 the logic there was... This is our best show. This is our flagship show that gives us the best ratings. What do we got coming up after Mad Men? Oh, it's, uh, you know, the uh, Jimmy and Jimmy show, you know, whatever. And you're like, what the hell is that? Is that going to give us the same ratings that Mad Men is like, why don't you replay Mad Men again? And I bet you whatever, if it got a 10 rating, we'll at least get a 5 rating out of that. And anybody who caught Mad Men late can catch the beginning of it. And just kind of stick with it. And I think that was a process and it was getting better ratings than the shows that were subsequent after, for example, Mad Men. But I'm wondering, like, I agree with what you're saying about everything being on demand. But then I deal now with Time Warner and it's they're like, I feel like they have no idea what's going on. My Internet always goes off. Like, how how is that innovation like in their hands? Like, I feel like it's like giving like the head of NASA, like having like. I don't know. I just feel like I don't have a lot of faith in them as a company. Right, right. I mean, do you think it's other cable companies will come in? Do you think it'll become more, less centralized? Because I feel like it, they have, like, at least where I live, like a weird monopoly. And right. that's why they're allowed to be so inefficient. I think the internet and television, they're going to fuse together, man. You know, no pun intended. Uh, but I, I think <laughs> they're going to literally, f- like, fuse together where you're going to one day wake up and literally on a keyboard, just turn on the TV and type in the show that you're going to do. We're going to move towards that. The fact that we're not moving it now, there's still a lot of money being made with the traditional way of operating a television business. And nobody wants to let go of that because everything is a risk. No one knows. I mean, you were saying, uh, Stephen, how no one's still making money online. Yeah. You could come up with the coolest show. I mean, House of Cards, by the way, has not provided any ratings for that. They're telling you what they think they're doing. And they're not even giving you a specific number. They're just saying we did really well. And everybody has been thrown by that. Like, if it did so well, you would have been boasting about it. So they're not doing, like, like hits for, like, like podcasts. You know, you, you know how many, you go to your server, you find out how many downloads you got. You know exactly how many people listened. They're not measuring. They're not There's doing no that. measurements that, they have their own measurement, according to Netflix. According to insiders, Netflix has its own measurement guide, huh. but they're not sharing that with anybody, not the New York Times, not Variety, no one. So no one knows unless somebody inside decided to tell someone like us, you know, and when we get to break the story. But they're not saying they have 28 million subscribers, Netflix, 
right? It's very, it's more than HBO now, which is just crazy. Um, so they're rivaling HBO, yet they're not saying 20 million people saw Netflix. But HBO is still following the same rubric as the Nielsen system, which is archaic. It is archaic and it's extremely flawed, but unfortunately they have a monopoly in that. And the way the same, the same thing as AT&T had a monopoly in the phone business, uh, you know, 50 years ago, mm. that went to hell. And at some point, you know, new government came in and said, listen, no more monopoly. So I think the same thing is going to happen to Nielsen. There's going to be some sort of competitor that's going to come in and devise a new technology of how to do this. And either Nielsen adapts or Nielsen, you know, just joins the battle. It happened with radio. Arbitron is no longer used. The rating system for radio, they changed it. What are they using now? I can't remember, but it's way more accurate. Our, our good friend David Katz told me about That's it. That's right. Yeah. David, we share the same agent. Yeah, we did. Uh, we yeah. did, yeah. <laughs> but when you t- oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, David Katz now is the uh, CEO of Elvis Duran uh, in company. Right? Yeah, he's, he's like the number one From DJ Z100. in the country. Really? Yeah. That's on terrestrial crazy. radio, not like Sears something, and this guy Elvis, and he's just been doing it forever. And- <clears throat> Z100 in here in New York. I've been listening to that guy forever. I can only imagine. He's a good yeah. dude. I, went, I saw him. Uh, I had to interview Madonna. <clears throat> And how I, was that like? She was man? awesome. She was really cool. She was she was great because I just I I don't know I made some bad. She joke. wasn't mean. She wasn't like why am I talking to no, you? No, I I had a weird in because I um there's a band uh called Gogo Bordello that cool name yeah and this and they're like a gypsy punk band and the singer Eugene I'd interviewed before and um they they put on a good live show you know they were fun but. She brought it. She direct the movie that Madonna did. She, the lead singer, we, we? Uh, the movie, we, or I'm not sure. The the singer of the band was the main character. That oh Madonna yes, directed. yes, yes, yes. And yes, his yes, name's yes. Eugene. Uh-huh. And so I met him a number of times. So I got to sit down and go, "Oh hey, I know Eugene." She was like, "Oh my god!" And it just changed the tone. But it was of so everything. funny because like I was hanging out with Stephen and Fuse like before the interview. I'm like, "What are you gonna do? What are you doing today?" I was like, oh, "I got to interview Madonna." And I was like, "Really?" What? And like I was like, "Are you excited?" And you're like, "Yeah, whatever." Did you treat it like that, or were you shocked? Were you starstruck? Well, the funny thing was when you see, you walk in, you see her on camera because they have the, the, the lighting set up and they have a monitor. Then you sit down and you go, whoa, you're a, you're, you're a Madonna. You're over 50. Oh, yeah. but you were saying she looks different yeah, sitting yeah. next to her than she does yeah. on the monitors. She looks, yeah. She looks like she's a woman who is, you know, <laughs> past middle age who works out a lot. You know what I mean? And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. try, it's like you're trying to make yourself look younger than they are. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's that Kabbalah, man. Yeah, but I think it's okay ripped. to age. Yeah, exactly. You have to be ripped in Kabbalah. <laughs> yeah. That's why they, the, the orange band stretches around the <laughs> she wrist. She was also a pretty serious yogi Yeah, for a long time. Super into yoga. Yeah, um, she yeah to that. the point that she looks unhealthy. Have you seen her? Like, That's my thing. I haven't recently. That's what I'm talking about. Oof. She looks unhealthy. Yeah. But she was cool. Um, but That's I remember, great, I remember just talking about oh, Gogo Bordello. She's like, oh my heavens! And you know, if you oh my heavens, she said that <laughs> she said it completely. Oh, she does heavens. that old then. She, yeah, yeah. concert. She, oh, she my, shout outs. My heavens. stars and garters. <laughs> she had to put down her needlepoint while I was talking to her. It was really weird. <laughs> but Who you knew. But you were saying about Netflix kind of reminded me. You know, when Radiohead did the whole pay what you want. Yeah. Thing yeah did at, you guys think that was successful? Rainbows? Well, that's the thing. They, they never said <laughs> they never released the numbers. And it's like, dude, you guys are doing this super innovative thing at this kind of turning point for this industry. You are like the biggest band. It's a so so pr- like such a brilliant move. And then they're like, yeah, it went well. It's like, let us see what happened. Honesty let code, us right? know if you guys if it worked well. Maybe other people will do it. Maybe this model could sustain itself. But they never released it. And then it's kind of like, okay, that I guess that was good. No one really knows. Let's be honest. 
if you were doing a project and you told the world that you're going to do this project and the project worked well with you, right? Gangbusters. Wouldn't you be boasting about that? Wouldn't you be yeah. just telling everything? Hey, look what I did, man. Wouldn't you? Newspaper articles, headlines about it. But if you're not saying anything, it's not that you're cool. Because you're not saying anything. You're, you're mysterious for a reason because you even don't have faith in the way that project went. So I think that the $100 million they spent in the House of Cards, right, they must have lost a lot of money. A lot of money. It looks like a movie, man. It looks like a 13-episode movie. Literally, like you see in the theaters. And I was like... This was insane, the quality production of this. And, you know, David Fincher takes 99 takes for, like, one scene. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was burning film like like an effort, man. <laughs> no, totally. You can swear on this, Jack. You can go, okay, because <laughs> you were seeing all my heavens on that side. <laughs> so yeah, but I said <laughs> fuck you earlier. It's Good. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I think they lost money. I don't think that, that it went that well. Let's see season two. And when I finally see some numbers and, and seeing is believing. You know? Right. Isn't that weird that you like it? And know a lot of people like it, but you have that skepticism because of being in the industry and this is your job. Yeah. How did it do? You know? And that is a great point. Like, let other people know so they can do it. Yeah. Like, you know by them saying, anytime someone says, oh, it went well, it didn't go well. It's like doing a clinical trial and then being like, oh, this is this great innovation we made. Like, we're not going to tell anyone about it. <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense. Makes no sense. And I think that that's what's going to be held against netflix uh until the next season until they reveal some sort of numbers that's so crazy so with showbiz back cafe it's kind of morphed beyond just the hispanic latino based uh, it has and i think that's because the face of hispanics in america is also becoming different you know uh my mom came here she didn't know a lick of spanish uh of english i'm sorry because that would have been hard. That, yeah, 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 that would have been hard. So no also, one taught you Spanish in Colombia. So, I know, I know. What's going on? <laughs> That's why she had to move. Um, and so what ended up happening is when I was born, I was born here in, in New York in Queens, and I didn't, I didn't speak Spanish. So my mom was like, "What the heck is going on here? I speak Spanish, but you don't speak Spanish." And I completely assimilated to the country immediately, you know, and and she wasn't able to. So the kids of immigrants, they're for the most they're, they're they're Americans, man. And so the networks like Univision and Telemundo, they don't watch it. They're watching MTV, they're watching you, they're watching VH1, they're watching all the cool shows, you know. I have a question for you in that regard. Um uh friend a host I used to work with at Fuse. Um her family's from Argentina. Uh-huh. So she got to audition for a network, for yeah. a Spanish-speaking network. Right. And she was told uh, no because of her accent. It sent it to American? Uh, no, it's to Argent- Argentinian. Yes. Yes. Okay, so here's what you need to know about that since I worked at Univision. Univision being the king of all Spanish things, they're really a Mexican network. The success behind Univision has been the ability to charge top dollar to the sponsors for content that's on a VHS tape for the most part that's brought to Mexico. So they buy content from Mexico that's already been made and they repurpose it or recycle it here in the United States. So they pay, let's say, a quarter for that tape, but they're charging Walmart $5 million to put their ad on this show that costs them to buy $250,000. 
And that's how they became the number one network. So because all the content is coming out of Mexico, and Mexicans are the number one demographic in terms of Spanish, the majority in the United States, then it's really become a Mexican network. So they feel that if there's an Argentinian voice or if you're sounding way too Colombian or way too Puerto Rican or way too whatever, and it doesn't sound Mexican, then the audience isn't going to connect with you and they're going to reject you. So they don't want to go through that and they kind of just put your talent. It happens with me, man. I don't sound Mexican enough for Univision and Telemundo unless it's the local New York station. But if it's National Network, the odds of me getting on there, they're slim because I don't look Mexican. I, I, I don't look indigenous or I don't know what it is. And I don't sound like a Mexican. So it's almost like my own race is being prejudiced to me. It's bullshit. I wonder man. if that happens in, in the English speaking networks. Like if <clears throat> you had an anchor, say you had an anchor who was like, like who had a, an accent like Fargo. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, yeah, like, like, like Fargo. Oh, okay. okay. Or, or, or Southern. You know, like, say you have, like, someone who's super popular in the South, and they're like, you know what, we're going to audition them for Today Show. Would they get that gig? Probably not. Probably, Probably not. not. You know? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? It is interesting. It's like, almost you need to have, like, a neutral sound. You yeah. know, where there is no melodic sort of intonation at the end of words, you know, with the way you speak. Um, but for the most part, look, I, I think that the Argentinian person that you're talking about, if she was talented enough, it should have trumpeted however way she sounded yeah you don't know how that went but i just thought that was a very interesting um interesting critique i also have a friend who's uh, i have many um, <laughs> i have to stop making that joke dumb dumb joke i do it every show <laughs> um and i have to stop saying um because that's just tacky she's uh, from el salvador she's married to my best friend from high school and oh you told me about her yeah she she <clears throat> You know, speaking Spanish to her kids while he, uh, her husband, uh, who's not a native speaker, would speak English, which they would right. learn. And I said, well, on Sesame Street, she went, well, that's Puerto Rican Spanish. <laughs> and I went, what? She went, yeah, as if I would know that, because right. forgive me, I can't tell the difference in accents. Right. But I thought that was very interesting. And then now with my children, I watch Sesame Street a lot. I hear... Um, Luis and Maria sang Boricua quite a bit. Yes. And I was like, I had no idea. Well, with, you know, it's funny because uh, in, in the Latino universe, uh, Puerto Ricans and Cubans are, 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 um, are thought of to have the worst Spanish. It's true. In, like, the world. So, for example, People in Espanol Magazine, which is considered, like, the de facto magazine of the United States for Hispanics, they, they use... Colombian Spanish as their voice when they write when they uh, do interview you know everything is through the Colombian filter because they feel that the, the Colombian language the Spanish language is the best of the world the problem with the Spaniard one which I mean they invented Spanish hello they the the Z's they don't sound like Z's they sound like th's which is like a th th as opposed to a z z right so, and that's different than Castilian Spanish right or is that what we're I, talking I about? Think there's, that, that's the same thing? That's the same thing. Castilian, okay. Spanish. Yeah, Catalan yeah. is different. That's from uh, Barcelona. Thank you. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Forgive me. I had a um, uh, dated girl in college, and her mother was from Spain and made it very clear that the Spanish she spoke was different than the, than the Spanish of her husband, who I think was from Puerto Rico. <laughs> yes. My yes. brother-in-law is from Puerto Rico, and when he speaks, I'm assuming there's syllables, um, the way he talks, because it just sounds like 
just a couple of, actually that's all it sounds like are syllables forgive everything me everything sounds butchered so unfortunately and i think it's because you know puerto ricans really grew up with english around them as well so spanish wasn't necessarily pure you know and and so when you when you grew up with many languages it, it kind of gets confusing once in a while the moment. dialects that cracks me up because <laughs> obviously you know we speak english and you hear somebody from North Dakota or from right. the South, you go, oh, that's a Southern accent. But I hear Spanish, you go, what is that? It's all Spanish, right? <laughs> yeah. It's very racist. It is very Please racist. Please forgive me. It is, it is, Please it is. forgive me. I have a kind of a weird question, maybe, sure. but uh, my friends do a podcast called Kissing Contest, and they just did this reality madness one where they have 64 reality shows, they make brackets, and then they try to find the one that they think is the worst for society. Wow. Okay. And so it falls into like, it's an amazing podcast, but the, it falls into a couple of categories. Like this is toddlers and tiaras. These are like shows for pedophiles, and then you know shows about boring jobs or like C grade celebrities doing shitty things. And it just keeps getting more extreme. Like yeah. they're like, there's going to be a show about a guy washing dishes soon, right? Like you know, like and it's like, where do you see that going? I mean, do you think there's going to be a point maybe where we're just like it stops or it gets to a point that's so absurd that people are like, wait, this is too much or like, cause it seems like it's already gotten like beyond that. I thought big brother was like the nadir of like everything. People doing nothing yeah. in the room. Yes. And I was like, it can't get worse mm-hmm. than this. And then CBS, it was like the, one of the number one rated shows. I was like, how in the, who, I don't know those people that watch that show. I, I personally have never met someone that watches that show faithfully and became a fan and these people became uh, celebrity stars you know and i was like how is that even possible so i think we're gonna get there you know um i think someone's gonna do something i mean honey boo boo is probably seen as the excrement of television today by the way spoiler alert yes i think she won the the reality madness (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 because they're like they're like it's horrible and it's like it's you know, like if it's you're horrible, but she's a loving mom. No, and it's nothing. It's nothing we against them this. as people. Yeah. Like, but it's like people shouldn't be able to watch like little kids dressing up sexy on TV. No, and you're, you shouldn't be feeding them Red Bull with Coke and and lard. You know, it's you just, guys have obviously not spent kill. enough time in the South with the pat dude. Okay, here's the fucked up part about it is uh, I can see an executive going, "Why not exploit this because it's happening." Because the pageant world is so extreme, and as someone who was raised to believe that high C orange drink was orange juice until I was 12, right? that's like the way it is. And I don't mean to be like, that's the way it is, it's not going to change. Of course it changed. There's healthy people in the South, there's whatever, but certain areas... That's just, that's how you grow yeah, up. Middle America still lives like that. And so they seek sort of almost themselves uh, in the show. Look, I think you're right. The thing about Honey Boo Boo is, as as Adam Levine said it, <laughs> this is the worst this show ever. The great sage, Adam Levine. <laughs> the great sage. This is the worst show ever made, right? Um, it No one really talks about the family love that exists between these these people. You know, it's a family show. Like, for example, the Duck Dynasty. Mm-hmm. Yo, dude. That's there's nothing about those ducks. I, I don't see anything about you know about the duck <laughs> business or anything. It's about these guys being comedians. It's one of the funniest shows on TV, and that's why it's the number one cable show right now. Right. It makes the most amount of money. Those guys are flat out funny, 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 and 
They barely script anything. It, it's 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 great. Have you seen it? I, have you seen it? I don't think I have seen it. People Watch one show. I'll check man. it out. That's though. What I've heard. If, if I've heard you, people I know who who's, who's yeah? opinions I respect. Tony Thaxton's a big fan. That like. They're like, I can't, I've just watched like five of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Binge watching, you know, completely because it's so funny. But with this show is if you can find the silver lining in Honey Boo Boo is that there's a very loving family at the end of the day. The problem is, is as a human being, man, when you know the other side of the world and you know that you shouldn't be eating lard for breakfast, it, it, it almost feels like somebody should intervene. And I think Rosie O'Donnell was doing that at one point, I'm trying to buy him a right house. I'm going to point out how much lard is delicious. <laughs> and if you have had food cooked in lard, you know. Yes, I do. But <laughs> that also gives you cholesterol. And that's what we're talking about. She's like eight years old. Yeah. Imagine when she gets to be 15. Obesity is a problem in the United States. And so they're living like every unhealthy, every wrong way of living your life because it just, your lifespan is going to be 30. You're going to be, you know, die from a heart attack. If you live mm-hmm. that type of lifestyle. So I think that a lot of people have a problem with that show because of a lot of those reasons, the way they live their lifestyle. But they're so happy. They're so – I'm not going to worry about what you say that you almost admire that sort of persona. No, absolutely. And I think it's – as a viewer, I think people are drawn to it because you sort of feel superior. Not I'm saying to them in general, but I feel like people like these shows where people's lives are kind of – don't seem as good as theirs or something. That's why Hoarders does so well. Yeah, exactly. All these shows are these people with these horrible problems and stuff, and then you you watch it, and then you're like, well, I guess put things <laughs> it's in perspective. It's making it very hard on the creative industry to go, how can I compete with reality? Because it's become sitcoms, you know, like Duck Dynasty. I, I was watching, I was like, this is not a reality show. It feels like a sitcom. Yeah. Right? Back from the 80s. It was saying. So to get back to your question and to answer it more clearly, yes, I think there's going to be a show that's going to be so, um, so, so deep into the sort of the, so absurd and ridiculous that, that, that that the president is going to say this is not deemed worthy for American viewing and we're going to have to look at some other way of entertaining the American public. The title Something of that show is going to be Who's Got Herpes? <laughs> That's probably a show already. Yeah. <laughs> but got- something's going to come up that, that, that that's going to be out so scandalous and so outrageous and say, how could you possibly be doing this? Well, I think MTV just dealt with that with Buckwild. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. But yeah. you know what? They did the right thing with that. They did. And they and didn't, they pr- didn't renew pr- the show. I'm they pr- could have, but for the first time, MTV's showing some sort of ethics, you know, with, <laughs> with, with something like that. Dude, I loved the ethics that they showed with Snooki when they were like, we're not going to show her getting punched, even though we showed it 10,000 times. times leading up to it. No, like, we're not going to show It's like, are you guys kidding me? Yeah. It's, it's, it's <laughs> weird. It's why the digital, the digital realm over there that, that I work in is awesome because it's spread out. Uh-huh. Between all these great websites, like MTV Sports and MTV Iggy, and then the geek stuff, which is you got the next greatest. next next site, the next movie site. And yeah, there's Hive. There's all kinds right. of crazy stuff, and it's like it's it's almost like these giant bastions of cool that are supported by the channel that used to be the giant bastion of cool, but now the critiques have been you know back and forth about you know like awkward's a good funny show, but then you have Teen Mom, which how can you? defend that you know is it a loving family you know is that the crux of it it's it's i thought that was a delicious it's a delicate balance yeah. Yeah. exploiting teenage girls who are pregnant look here's the problem yeah. about tv i've always said i know a lot of people say you know 
are you going to go ahead and fly off a building because you, you saw a movie with Superman and a man flying? I mean, are you going to do the same exact thing? Of course not. But you know what? There is this thing about subliminal um, persuasion that I think television does by glorifying a specific thing. At some point, you become so involved with a particular character of a particular show that subliminally you start channeling them in some sort of way. You know, remember the whole Batman thing that happened? Uh, I, forgot, I forgot where it was, where this guy came in as the Joker at a Batman screening and started killing everybody. Oh, God, the Aurora shootings? Yeah, yeah the Aurora shootings. You know, yeah. and I, also, just to be clear as, and, and not make light of this at all, his hair was dyed orange. The Joker's <laughs> hair is green. He's not the Joker. <laughs> yes, yes. And so yeah. that guy was channeling the Joker because he loved that character. You know, and he was like, I thought Heath Ledger did a great job of that. And. Some way I feel connected to that character and to the way he portrayed it. Did, and he, say, did he say any of this? Or no, but, I think, but, you, but you, I think that dude was just deranged. He was deranged, but but it was an influence is I think the point I'm trying to make. Mm-hmm. It influenced him who already had the tendency of doing wild things. So for guys who are not deranged, I think they feel connected with a lot of characters. And so when you're watching Teen Mom... There's something I just have. I'm fearful that some girl who's 16 is going to sort of just say it's okay to have a kid at the age of 16 when you're not ready to be a mother. You have you're still a child and you're bringing a child into into the world, and say it's okay because this TV show kind of said it was okay. And so that's the problem I think ultimately there is with TV. And I, and and if these shows haven't even you know pushed the needle into not having these reality shows anymore. Man, I think it's going to be a long time. I'm talking about 10, 20, maybe even 30 years before we see any change in reality show TV. Because, like, look at, like, Dr. Drew recently said, I'm going to stop doing celebrity rehab. Oh, good. And yeah, it's, I, like, it's like, dude, you mean the show where you have a camera in someone's face when they have the shakes? Like, how could you possibly think that's a good way? Because enough of those people didn't survive? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And for that, dude, I mean, I, I've... I think anyone says marijuana is a gateway drug. It shouldn't be a doctor. I, I concur. But right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and it's like, it, that that to me is crazy. It's like, you're supposed to like be like, oh, he's taking the high road. This guy's so great for not doing this show. It's like, yeah, of course he shouldn't be doing this show. No, he shouldn't. And, and, and he, and, shouldn't uh, have, he shouldn't have to begin with. That's a weird path he took. So where do you, with your website, draw the line with what you like mm-hmm. as opposed to what... The your, people like, right? you, the audience you, likes. Yeah, exactly. Right now, it's really an experiment. I mean, the Hispanic American is so fragmented because he'll listen to Spanish salsa tunes and, you know, all types of... There's bachata, there's grupero. Being a Hispanic is a complicated thing to begin with, okay? (laughs) Figuring them out is even worse. (laughs) So what ends up happening is that someone like me is is so mercurial because he's constantly changing. I'm constantly keeping up with them and I, not, unlike steve jobs where i dictate what you want these people are constantly changing and i'm caught in the process of catching up with them so interestingly enough you know who does this quite well who understands their audience excellently vince mcmahon from wwe because he's awesome he's just awesome and, and by he, the way if you want to go to a giant multicultural event Go to go to see the WWE, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's everybody. Everybody that's goes uni- to that. I've been Kids, old people, poor all people, races rich and people. creeds, Christians, atheists, Buddhists. You were there, and you were loving every second of it. Yes, absolutely. So much totally fun. We should go. I would. I've never 
gone to anything. Actually, it's an experience yeah, you I would will do it. never forget. The bigger ones are great, but I've done this. If you can go to a small local wrestling match, that's the bomb. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, with some like... And you're like a, you're like in a VFW hall. It's like going to a punk show. That's it. Awesome. Is, it it's, great. it's it's a lot of fun, man. Yeah. It's All right, I'll do it. Let's do it. All right, we got to find one. So, I mean, you know, just to kind of uh, finish that that question you're asking me, uh, I'm just going to have to kind of go with where they're going. Kind of just move with the wind of, of so. If they want Real Housewives and you loathe that, what are you going to do? I'll give them Real Housewives, even <sighs> though I loathe them. Um, ultimately, because. Because you are, a, benev- you're a, b- a benevolent website guy. I'm a, I'm a benevolent website, but, you know, I also think you can't ignore your, your audience. I mean, if you want them to come to your site, you know, you're going to have to kind of just play that 50-50 role. It's like, look, I'm not going to give you everything you want, but I am going to give you most of what you want. And then I'm going to introduce things through that medium. Uh, so you're talking about Real Housewives and I might squeeze in a show that I happen to like to kind of just open up the gamut there. So um, it's going to be interesting. I think it's. Uh, I think I'm kind of being a pioneer in sort of the fusion between the American and Latino pop culture experience on one website. Usually, everybody has a pop culture website in Spanish, and then there's obviously the hundreds pop culture in English. But if you had People Magazine and People in Español Magazine, their Spanish language version, and you fuse them together, that's what my website would be look like. Would look like, but with my point of view. And I'll be at the forefront with my particular voice. I think it's going to be, it's going to morph into that's going to be most of America. Because yeah. uh, I have a number of friends whose kids go to um, immersion schools. Right. Where you do Spanish in the morning and you do English in the afternoon. And it's not just you're not taking Spanish for an hour. You're doing math and science and Spanish and sort it out. It's almost like like going to Spain for like a couple of months, you know, and... I mean, it's, immersing, it's, immersing yourself in that. I mean, America is a bilingual nation. You know, we speak we speak Spanish and American. We don't speak English. We speak American. Right. Very, <laughs> it's a very different dialect yeah, and words. Well, there's there's a lot of theories that we actually are going to be just one race eventually. I mean, like thousands and thousands of years just from everyone kind of getting together. It's just going to ultimately just be one thing. One race. Yep. Kind of a pale purple yeah, I guess somewhere in the middle. I don't know exactly. Well, that, that's that. That'll be interesting because you got ruin the NBA. Chinese, Indians, <laughs> Latinos. Ba- based upon statistics, it's going to be all Chinese. <laughs> they're coming in strong, man. Yeah, there's Good a lot of them. Lord, um, Showbiz Cafe. At the very beginning of this, you mentioned you get to go to Broadway shows. Yeah, and you have to write about them. Mm-hmm. So, how does that fall? And I know it falls under the the umbrella of showbiz, but is that is there, is there a big Hispanic population that likes to go to Broadway shows? No, but but see that that's interesting. There's no documents or research that says that Hispanics go to Broadway shows. But every time I end up talking with a friend who happens to be Latino about the theater, they're like, "Oh my god, I want to go see Matilda. I want to go see Kinky Boots." And you're thinking, "How do you know about this stuff?" And I've always said, when you look at the entertainment business, like at a newscast, right, they always talk about movies, music, and a television show, whether it's their show or somebody else, like American Idol, right? But they never talk about the theater. And I said, I wonder why that is. And for some reason, media platforms, media stations, they haven't embraced theater as like a go-to thing because it's probably too expensive. But that's BS, man, because there's like a bunch of student rush passes. Uh, the seats in the back are 
you know, $35 you can get them. It's just that those front row seats are the ones that are the killer for the theater. $150 for a ticket. And you're like, oh, I'm never going to go to that. It's too, it's too uh, like the opera. Like, oh, it's too highfalutin. It's not for me. Um, but there's so many music, like Spider-Man. Have you, have you seen Spider-Man on Broadway no, yet? No, we That had is a, we the had, most fun. We had a friend who was in it, who was in it before it got switched over, who was in the Julie Taymor version, who was on the, on the podcast, Matt Devine from this band from Chicago, Kill Hannah. Oh, nice. And, did, uh, did he like it? Did he like Spider-Man? He, he loved it, yeah. 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 He's, he, was, he, he ended up being like Peter Parker's friend, then he got written out, and he did it for a bit. <laughs> but the thing, thing about theater that I find interesting, how you're talking about it, is in New York, obviously... Film, television, music, theater, you know, like, like that should be part of your reference because it's Broadway because here, this is where it is. And my problem with the Tony Awards is it's not for theater for the country. Right. Because if you go to Florida, if you go to fucking Chicago, you know, even parts of LA, Boston, where a lot of Broadway shows are previewed before they come here, you know, it, there's, it's, it's a theater scene all over the country, but the Tonys stick right to Broadway and assume that everyone else knows, and they wonder why the ratings are crap every year. Right. And I find that bothersome, because I like it's touring very geocentric. Yeah, and it's annoying, because uh, I want to go see Pippin. I think it's amazing. It's a great musical. It is, yeah. It's only going to be on... You saw it? Yeah, you oh, see it. bastard. It looks amazing. <laughs> it looks great. Um, it's great. I, I'm not a big musical guy. I love Pippin. It's it's different than anything else that is on Broadway. And, I, and as I understand, it's a revival. Yeah, Stephen Schwartz did it in the early 70s with John Rubenstein and a um, uh, a very unknown performer named Ben Vereen. Ah, that's how I got to start was yes, in that. And Bob right. Fosse did the Bob choreography. Bob Fosse did the choreography for that. So they switched. So they're for Chicago. But right? like the fact that you said you go to all these shows and I think that's very cool that you're bringing that aspect of the arts to yeah, your audience. Because, you know, here's the thing. That's that, not pop culture. <laughs> that is not pop culture. But I, I, I do have to say it's, it's part of the entertainment industry. And I think I have an obligation to sort of be able to give my audience maybe something that they didn't that first of all they haven't been getting from anyone right from like the major television stations or any or anything when i was at univision i used to do a broadway segment in spanish called uh, el minuto broadway you know the broadway minute and it was i just... figured that out before he said it <laughs> see you do know some spanish very impressive Steven. thank you and then and, and currently <laughs> i'm the chairman of the advisory board of viva broadway that's part of the broadway league and basically that is the first hispanic uh, initiative that Broadway, the actual Broadway community has embraced. And I brought that idea up to them. They thought it was a great idea because everybody's jumping on the Hispanic bandwagon, trying to um, grow their business. And I, I offered them sort of like this idea and they ran away with it. So they're doing really great stuff with it. And it has, a, and basically what, we, what I've told them, the pitch from the get-go was, the reason our audience isn't going to theaters as much as everybody else is because no one is talking about it. You know, there's some sort of vi virality about uh, everybody talking about something and then all of a sudden it sparks that curiosity and interest to go want to see what it is that you guys saw. So see, if no one's talking about it, you're kind of just like it's, – it's like a vacuous experience. You, you don't know what to do. You're – they said about this great Gatsby movie, I'll go watch that. But if I was talking with the same effusiveness of going to see Pippin, for example, then I'm going to go see Pippin. And I'm going to pay, a, you know, $150 to go see it. But no one talks about it. So if we can get the, uh, the television stations, the radio stations, the magazines, the newspapers to have a theatrical segment 
within their 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 pages uh, or their their platform, then I think it becomes part of the pop culture. And this, it hasn't. This is, this is for the your Hispanic audience. I know a lot of newspapers have that, but not directly. Well, I mean, to yeah, the, I mean, this is strictly for like what we're doing at Viva Broadway. I yeah. think that's great. Me and too. It, isn't it funny that? Um, it seems so difficult that like like the Hispanic population isn't going to Broadway shows when the greatest and most famous of all Broadway shows is West Side Story. <sighs> Tell me about it. You know what I mean? By the way, even that got slightly lambasted by the Hispanic audience, and I'm not sure if, if you've heard why. So West Side Story is supposed to be about Puerto Ricans, right? And and the Jets, and you know, kind of just. You know, originally fighting. it was supposed to be uh, black versus white. But, black versus white, yeah. right? But it ended up becoming like Hispanics and so forth. They thought that was safer. It was safer. So what ended up happening is instead of hiring Puerto Ricans to play the Puerto Rican parts, they ended up hiring an Argentinian girl who sounded Argentinian, even though she was supposed to be Puerto Rican, right? Mm, yeah. And then they had Mexicans, Venezuelans playing the parts of the Puerto Ricans. So you could hear their accents and it took away. So the suspense of disbelief was taken, zapped out by the Hispanic audiences that were watching the show. I was like, wait a minute, that's not faithful. This guy sounds really Mexican, even though he's supposed to be Puerto Rican. How can I possibly believe that? And so I noticed it, but I just kind of just ignored it so I can move on with the story because it was slightly a distraction. That's fascinating yeah 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 and, so. and it makes sense uh racist it makes sense like you know if you have um uh why am i blanking on the characters um the main dude from the jets is uh if he's southern right he's obviously not from from new york don't cast that guy but if it's Spanish-speaking, ah, we can throw a Venezuelan in We can throw a Venezuelan in there, yeah. That's fucked up. It, it is fucked I'm up. I'm outraged. <laughs> well, let, let, you know, let me put it to you this way. Henry Cavill is the new Superman, and he's British. If Superman ended up coming out with a British accent, would you be pissed? I don't know what they spoke on Krypton, so I can't tell you how mad <laughs> I would be. You're going on technicalities now, man, but uh, come on. I mean, for, for most Russell of America... Russell Australian. He's playing Jor-El. Yeah, but, he's, but what I'm saying is imagine if Superman sounded British. He told all this. You know, I'm Superman today. I'm going to save the That's world. That's a little cockney, Jack. That's a little cockney. <laughs> I can't do it with a good British. Really Maybe you could do a better one. You just did a Dick Van Dyke with Superman. Think- <laughs> That's what just happened. Hello. What's interesting is Christian Bale playing Batman, if you watch the DVD of The Dark Knight, when they do the... Uh, the interviews, uh-huh. the bad off-camera interviews, where obviously the producer's sitting way over to their right. <laughs> yeah, he's sounding British. Right? No, he no Christian no. Bell doesn't. He keeps the American accent. Oh, sweet! He, see, that's method acting. Yeah, right there at its best. Yeah, they never yeah, break he, character. Yeah, he had his parents killed too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> poor poor Bruce Wayne. <laughs> poor Bruce. Because Bruce went. Because what is Batman's superpower? Uh, unlimited wealth. Unlimited wealth and and because if Batman was broke. I don't know if he would be half as successful. I still don't understand that. There, there's a lot of plot holes with the whole Batman story. Yeah, I can imagine you. Run, uh, that's got to be frustrating for you, seeing things ahead of time. <laughs> to not, when you write about it, go. By the mm. way, round act two. Yeah. Just ignore that one. Ignore that. You know, Superman can't be recognized with uh, his glasses on. Les Clark can't. Mm. Well, here's the thing. When he's Clark, Lois Lane. Jack, let me help you out, Jack. When he's Clark, <laughs> he hunches his shoulder and he wears clothes too big for him. If you read the comics, he's drawn that way. Right, right. And right. when he flies, 
Superman he's on tight spandex. Well, when he flies, he's so fast. He makes it that way so you can't see his face. Yeah, so Lois Lane must be the stupidest. <laughs> for, for, for a reporter that's supposed to be like the cream of the crop reporters, she can't figure that one out. She wouldn't last two seconds on House of Cards. <laughs> no way. She's not getting to the bottom of anything. Sorry, Lois. Oh, cool. Man. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, man, for having oh, me. This was a lot of fun, yeah, man. Yeah, this is awesome. Stoked. Please invite me again. He sounded nice. Yeah. You don't have to be so angry. I'm not mad at him. I'm just, just mad at his institution for just being. Just the weather people. Eventually, you know what? I'm going to fucking become a weatherman or whatever. Like, a, and just bite the bullet and just, you know, if you can't beat him, join him. Their job is pretty rad. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, he's it is. Big, but he's a now, big film dude, too, which is cool. I don't like the hours, though. I don't, when he was talking oh, yeah. about that, I no. was like, eh. Morning TV work? No, I can't do Like, that. my buddy does that, and I just get up at. Get up at night. Sparrows fart, you know. I'd be a good, like, night weather guy. I'd be a good, like, I'm not sleep. If they need a weatherman at, like, 2 a.m. who's You ever drinking. seen that? You wake up, it's like, it's the 4 o'clock news. We're going to get out of yeah. here for the morning team to come in. You're like, oh, you pathetic intern. I feel so bad. For you. No, I would be, like, the cool, like, I'd like to be, like, the late night guy who's just going to be wrong anyway. And he's obviously been tipping back on a few. And I'd be like, you know, just saying shit. I was I had an idea for a while. I wanted to do a thing called the weather monkey because I hated weathermen so much that it would they would it would be a magnet board and my monkey would go into a, a basket and grab out anything, whatever it was a cloud or a sun or lightning, and the monkey and I'd be like, "What's the weather tomorrow, Mon- weather monkey?" And he would have a toupee and a suit and he would go and stick it on the board and wherever the board would be, the weather state you know state or it could be like the whole you know. The United States, <laughs> whatever state you're in, and the weather monkey, I guarantee you'd be right <laughs> more than like wow. weather. <laughs> that other channels to start. We got the weather puss, the weather octopus. Mm-hmm. My monkey, no, because he's got more like dexterity. He could actually like grab in, you know, or he could like wipe his shit on it and be like, it's going to be shitty there. I bet you it is going to be shitty there, weather monkey. Thanks for telling me that. Thanks. For those of you emailing uh, us at facebook.com slash going off track right now and writing the obvious, it is really funnier when Mike is there. <laughs> we appreciate Thanks, those guys. emails we and we're we very do. happy that he's here today. I love you. I'm sorry. Um, goingofftrack.com is our website. You can hear all the podcasts there or check us out on iTunes. If you are on goingofftrack.com and you say, hey, I like these guys so much, especially Mike's weather monkey story, and I want to make that a reality, you can click the donut the donut button and send us each a nice cruller. Cruller for everyone? Yes. I think that's on Facebook. That's Glaze Book. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. delicious. No, Glaze Book, sorry, that's next to Spankwire. That's that a complete... All right. I like to push the joke to where it's uncomfortable. Yeah, to spank wire. And make everyone happy. Dude, Remember, I can't believe you just ruined my wholesome donut joke. I've ruined many donuts. Uh, what, what did, <laughs> why did I immediately just go to like exactly what you were saying? I've ruined many donuts. Oh, it means he jizzed you, Yeah. It, you know what? I'm, my head's just uh, going like... Donut puns like crawler. <laughs> you're not talking. You're not eclair. talking. Uh, mine's like you just clearly legal. <laughs> clearly legal. Uh, I figured. Clearly he, legal. I, figured <laughs> <laughs> I figured you meant that pillow for hemorrhoids. Yeah, that too. That's a donut. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, Jack, what, I am so what? sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you do you remember Mike when we were we were out to dinner with with a crew one time and and um. And and not in Pasadena, in Pomona, and we yeah. went to that restaurant. Yeah. And Mike and I were just talking about a band that we wanted we wanted to form, 
or no, no, not a band. We're, we're talking about The Wire. That's right. And all of a sudden, it got really quiet because we said, there's too much nudity in The Wire. And our wonderful friend Whitney, you know how in, in a restaurant, it'll just get quiet and someone else. It was like something. a moment. Yeah, it was beautiful. It got really quiet. She went, are you guys talking about prison dick? <laughs> that was it. It was beautiful, that moment. Yeah, and she doesn't say stuff like that. We had some wine that night because it was... It and we was, immediately said, and now we're forming a band yep. called Prison Dick. That's how band names happen. <laughs> Whitney said it. Though. Yeah, it was amazing. All right, well, uh, you'll hear us next week, and it's going to be just as funny. <laughs> or not. Or if you don't find it funny, well, then you should listen to something else. Yeah!